Hi, I'm Dr. Jerry Creed, and I am a licensed marriage and family therapist in Atlanta, Georgia, and this is Be With The Word. And this is episode 57, and this is the fourth Sunday of Advent. Excited to be with you today. Our topic this week is going to be fatherhood and what it means to be a good man and a good father. Uh, I hope you'll also join me over at Hear The Word. If you haven't already, you might want to check that out first. It's our sister podcast. I'm going to be doing a guided meditation on how uh, to draw closer to God the Father in prayer. Also be reading the Sunday readings in a meditative way and hopefully so that you'll be able to take them really deeper into your heart. Uh, I hope you'll also join me next week. I believe I should have an interview with a psychologist who um, is here to will be talking about eating disorders. And uh, she had an eating disorder in her own life uh, and one she had to find uh, treatment for and grow closer to God through. And now she's a psychologist who also helps others with eating disorders. So if you know someone or uh, you have an eating disorder, um, you might really find that interesting. And it's just in time for the holidays where, hey, let's just face it, there's a lot of food around. <laughs> and our relationship with food is not always healthy. So I hope you'll enjoy that episode next time. But today it's fatherhood. So fascinated to talk about this with you. I think about the fact that um, when I was uh, a young guy, I mean, my father was pretty, um, pretty toxic in a lot of ways. And I got a lot of really negative messages about what it meant to be a man and what it meant to be a father from him. And I've talked about some of that before. Um, and, uh, so I learned in a way though, that those things were not healthy and were not good. And so I had to figure out what does it mean to even be a father? What does it mean to be a good man? Is it just everything he doesn't do or what? Or, uh, and so I had to figure that out and it took, took me quite a while. And there was no, in my mind, I didn't have any kind of guidebook, but I became a father and I knew I wanted to do things differently. And one of the things I think was kind of interesting and a little bit fun is that and this was over 20 years ago now. So back in 98, uh, our family moved from Canada to the United States and, and we had three small children. We were moving because of my wife's job. And the plan was I was going to stay home with them for at least a few years. And I ended up staying home with them for three years. And I absolutely loved it, by the way. But at that time, it was pretty uncommon. And as a man, uh, people knew of the show, the movie Mr. Mom, Michael Keaton. So I'd get that all the time. Oh, you're Mr. Mom? And which I hated because he was incompetent in the movie. Like, you know, well, by the end of it, he figures it out. But the, a lot of the humor is around, you know, watching a guy trying to do all these things. And uh, it bothered me. I wanted to be a stay-at-home dad, you know. I like the idea of that. And... Uh, I was actually, I think, I've been told I was really good at it, you know, managing the house and having fun with the kids. But I remember uh, the mom's group in my neighborhood. We moved to this fairly nice Alpharetta, Georgia neighborhood. Uh, and uh, like people drove the nice SUVs and the, and the Lexuses and all that. And I was from Canada and was a little out of my league, or at least that's how I felt. And... Uh, they invited me to the mom's group, their weekly mom's group, and they were kind enough to do that, right? And they were nice to me. 
But wow, I thought the women were super organized. They had already with each other organized all the snacks, who was bringing what. They had the area set out for all the food for the kids. They had the area set out for where the kids were going to play. The moms typically stayed at the table or somewhere and they sat. And that was their time to talk about things. And at the time, it was a lot of decorating, tennis, um, you know, just learning about their stuff going on at the schools and that. But I found it painful. <laughs> it was nice maybe to get out and have the kids interact with other kids and it was an outing, but it was painful for me and, 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 and awkward. And some of that might have been just my male ego uh, and, and being in this clearly female world. Then I discovered there was a dad's group and it was not in my neighborhood. Of course, it was in the larger city. So there were guys all around the city and they got together twice a week. And they would get together in each other's houses. And when they did, everybody just brought whatever snacks. And sometimes they shared. Sometimes guys forgot. Um, but when they got together, it was like, oh, yeah, let's all go out in the backyard. Let's all go in the basement. Kids are jumping around. Dads are swinging kids around. Kids are hopping on top of, on top of dads. Dads are chatting back and forth with each other. Uh, completely different thing. And then there was always a focus on where are we going to take the kids? So the other visit every week was either at a playground or at a zoo or some show or something. So it, it was a really different experience. And it really made me wonder about, you know, when men are doing the same, some of the same jobs as women, they're going to do it differently. And this brings me the bigger question I have, because it's a debate within psychology and, and, and science in general on so many topics is that is being a father something essential? In other words, it's, is it inherent to a man to, when he's a father to be a certain way and behave in a certain way and embody something? And, is, and therefore, being fathering is essentially different than mothering, right? And so the traditional view would say that. And the traditional view would say that fathers, um, yeah, inherently just kind of become fathers and kind of know certain behaviors. But also, if there's a father missing or a very pro problematic father in the child's development, it will cause some kind of problem. So if you have a missing or absent father, it's going to developmentally affect the child in a negative way. All right, so that kind of makes sense to me in, in certain ways, and, 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 and that's the more traditional view. The other view is, is a sort of a postmodern view, which is a social constructivist view, which basically says the idea of fatherhood or motherhood or whatnot are all social constructions. So we created those ideas and then we've using there's culture and there's norms and things that are changeable, but we act like they're permanent and they're changeable. Uh, and so there's nothing that says a father should be the provider. There's nothing that says that the father should be um, uh, less nurturing than the mother or anything like that. So there's there's no no rules in a sense because it's and so if it's socially constructed you can deconstruct it and make it something else. Okay, so those are the two views. I I do see something in the middle. I maybe lean more to the traditional view, but I do see something in the middle that that is interesting. So I think we do have a lot of socially constructed uh, uh, views of masculinity that can change. So there's all kinds of things I can remember. Here are some of the typical ones. We could go on and on. And you could ask guys uh, what 
kind of negative messages did you learn about being a man? Like you learn boys don't cry, men must be tough, uh, men don't sh share emotions. Uh, so a lot of emotional stuff. Men have to compete. Men have to be independent. Men, um, you know, men can't show signs of weakness. Um, men can't hug other men uh, or, you know, something wrong with them. Men have to be more powerful. Men have, uh, I don't know, have, must be successful, whatever. So you, there's a lot of males messages that are really bring a lot of pressure. Uh, or for men. And Jim O'Neill is a psychologist who did some work on this whole area of, he called it, what is it, gender role conflict. And basically saying that that men who don't share emotions and have a high competitiveness and have a strong like pressure to be successful and powerful and all this and, and don't have any healthy ways of ex expressing affection with other men tend to have more psychological problems, like possibly more depression or possibly more aggression or things like that. So that's interesting because I do think we put pressure on men to behave in ways that um, end up causing them a lot of trouble. And, and, and men that don't live up to those standards or feel they don't end up feeling deep shame. And often it can be marginalized or not included and, and all this kind of thing. So I think that there's something to be said there. Now, however, I do think there is something different, whether it's, I don't know if it's the way the brain is, differences in brain, differences in um, genetics in some way impacting or hormones, but whatever it is biologically and inherently, there is a difference between men and women. And uh, that is not not just their genitals, like there's something else that, 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 is, that makes you a man different from a woman and vice versa. And that's harder to define sometimes. Um, here's my thought a little bit. I think that if you want to be a good father, or if you're supporting a man to be a good father, and therefore a good man, I would like to look at um, elements of the true self and think about that. I know that Dr. Peter has talked about internal family systems and parts work on his podcast on, on Carpe Diem or Resilient Catholics. And, 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 and he does a lot of great work on that. That's really worth checking out, I would say. Um, I, I use that approach as well, and I, I really find it powerful that we have these different parts that are sort of managing things like, you know, worker bee parts and discerning kind of slightly critical parts and, and, and different aspects of ourselves that, that are operative. And we, some of them kind of take over, especially if they're super burdened or having a hard time, they're sort of, they can almost like take over. And what, what happens when, when parts are managing things exclusively is we lose touch with our true self. So part of the process of that therapy is to kind of get to know your parts, to understand, help them where they need help, especially if there might be wounded parts and, 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 and this and that. So getting to the true self is what I want to get at here though, is the more that we can access our true self, then, and we can pair that with good parenting skills, right? And a desire to be involved, okay? Then we're going to be good parents. So for example, um, there's a lot of studies have been done on fatherhood or years ago, more, a little less, more often 
than, than now. But uh, there was the assumption that f fathers that were more involved had better outcomes, right, as parents and so on. And that isn't always the case. The research has shown that fathers who are positively involved have better outcomes. So just having a lot of time with a parent doesn't guarantee a positive outcome. It has to be positive. And it, and it was less important, according to the research, that the, the man exert masculinity or perform masculinity, so to speak. That wasn't what was the most important thing as far as outcomes. What was uh, important was warmth and closeness, according to this one research. I thought that was fascinating. Um, so in other words, yeah, a guy can be a protector and make sure nothing, no harm comes to his family physically. He can be a provider and, you know, work and bring money and take care of his family in some way. That's good. Those are what often we think of as essential parts of being a father. But if he does it without warmth and without closeness, it's sterile. And it, it, it's going to end up having negative results. Then the other piece is skills. Just because um, you know you you are a good person or whatever doesn't mean you actually know how to to parent. It's hard. There's different developmental stages of children, and you you need to have some understanding of what's appropriate and not appropriate for each age, and setting really good boundaries, and when do you have what conversations. And so parenting involves. A lot of work and there's a lot there and and it's it, there's a competency so i think it it's important for a, a dad a new dad to to develop some competency in that you know a lot of times people just have kids and they don't think about that until they have a problem with their kid so let's let's be proactive if we can so so we are recognizing quality time is important time that's positive involvement we recognize the need for some skills i'm going to highlight discipline and boundary setting at appropriate developmental levels, consistent rules with consistent um, consequences that are known and understood by everyone in the family. I think those are all really good skills. But the piece that is going to be so interesting is accessing this true self. And in the internal family system world, the true self has qualities such as compassion. It's number one, compassion right? Also, they're playful, right? And present and hopeful and curious, creative, connected, patient, faithful. All these qualities are qualities of the true self that just come from being human and especially a human being, right? Created in God's image. So if we can access that true self, and obviously we're embodied. So I'm an embodied male, so I'm going to access my true self. And I'm with parent, good parenting skills and trying to have positive involvement. I am going to therefore be a good father. It's going to come more naturally. Let's take a look now uh, at the readings, though. And how is there anything we can learn from these readings, especially from Daniel, that would reinforce what I just said? And, and maybe even give it more clarity. So we know from the story of Daniel that, um, not uh, it's, uh, sorry, the book of Samuel, we know from the story that King David had been fighting these wars, right? He's coming back from fighting wars and he comes in and God gives him rest from his enemies. 
and gives them a dwelling without disturbance. So God is brings, as a father brings peace, right? It says, uh, Samuel says to David, God has been with you wherever you go. From the past, from the field out in the pasture to the winning the battles and all this time he's been with you. So another quality of God the Father is presence. And then God literally says, um, you, you are my son and I am your father. So he brings identity as well. He says to the, well, it's the angel, says to Mary, you shall, do, do not fear, right? So again, he brings peace and calm, you know? He says, I will be king, I will make you king forever. Give security. It, it speaks of God's kindness and goodness, benevolence, protection. God establishes a covenant here, which is a promise. He says he won't break it. That means he's loyal, consistent. It says God is, is God, rock, savior, and father. All in one sentence. Security, salvation. What is a rock? It provides security, consistency, safety. Right? And then in Romans, the only one I got out of that, that little passage was that God strengthens us. So he empowers, he strengthens, he fortifies his children. So wow, so to me that felt very consistent, even with just this selection of passages, it was very consistent to me uh, compared to what we know about the parts and, 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 and even from some of the aspects of the psych psychological sciences, um, even if we don't agree with all of them. But here we have that God the Father, so his, this is a model for fatherhood, is present. He's brings safety and security, peace. He's loyal. He's benevolent. He brings salvation. He's good and he's kind. To me then, that is what we have to embody as fathers and, and, and as men in general. Well, as humans, women too. <laughs> but I, I feel like it's going to be expressed in, in a slightly different way, but it's going to be those same qualities. All right, well, we're going to wrap it up today. I know there's so much I could say and talk about fatherhood and, and all that. And hey, nothing that I said is necessarily, you know, minted or, or um, you know, without possible criticism. So if you've got any questions, if you have any critiques, if you've got comments, if something resonated, whatever, we'd love to hear you. I'd love to have uh, everyone subscribe. If you're on YouTube, subscribe or on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Make sure that you um, you do subscribe and also share. Let people know about it. If you've got something out of this talk, uh, let people know. And check out soulsandhearts.com to get our weekly newsletter that tells you all kinds of things that we're offering all the time blogs and podcasts and we've got communities uh and courses and and most almost all of it is free there are a few things that have cost to it but most of it is is free a lot of free courses and blogs uh, we just want to provide a good catholic mental health education uh to catholics in general we want to bring together some of the best catholic mental health professionals from around the country uh into this one place souls and hearts so Anyway, 
and also hope you enjoy Hear the Word. Uh, I'm enjoying uh, the new format there with the guided meditation. All right, until next time, be still, believe, believe.